Hey fam, Patrick here. Guess what, everyone? I'm hitting the road again in March with my traveling book party, and here is where I'm coming. I will be in Red Bank, New Jersey on Friday, March 8th. Louisville, Kentucky on Sunday, March 10th. Bring all the bourbon, fam. Cincinnati, Ohio on Tuesday, March 12th. Columbus, Ohio on Wednesday, March 13th. And Buffalo, New York on Thursday, March 14th. For the show, fam, I've taken a chapter from my book and turned it into a show, which I tell with hilarious pictures and video clips. For those of you who've read the book, it's chapter two, all about my high school drama club drama and my first love, which I have an update on. It's fun. It's hilarious. The show is about an hour long. After the show, I stick around as long as you want me to, to sign books, to have drinks, and just hang out. It really is a super fun way to meet other members of the TCO fam in your area. We will have books available for purchase at the shows. You can find all the information and tickets at my website, patrickfails.com. I hope you'll come and check it out. It is such a fun night. Okay, now to the show. This has got to be one of the most interesting cases we've done in a long time. Really? To me, be, like being from here and not knowing this case at all, I was riveted. I'm so glad. Yeah. And we're back at the 7-5 a little bit. I know. <laughs> seeing our old friends at 7-5. Hey, Actually, no, old... not at all. We're not seeing anyone No. There, yeah. That we know. Speaking of old friends. Uh-oh. Jillian Benzavale. Patrick Hines. Ba-da-dum. What it was, was that a robot note at man. the end? Oh, robot okay. man, robot man. You just love singing now. You're a singer now. She sings. <laughs> she sings. Hi, girl. Hey, girl. Oh, my goodness. Hey, fam. How about I got two requests? Join the Facebook group. Okay, great. True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Go to Facebook and find it. We're in there. I'm in there all the time. Okay, great. I'm always doing the interacting. You are. There's like lots of people you can meet and friends, and we yeah. talk about the episodes, but we also talk about other stuff. Also, join us on the Patreon if you want more Jillian and me. Now that we're in January, we can say officially we are doing a cocktail making class with a fancy bartender this oh, month. Oh, yeah. That's happening like January 8th? I think that's the date. We'll all, the date will all be in the Facebook group. Okay, great. And then also we're doing our first drag bingo. Yeah. It's going to be live. Really Schwa is the name of the performer. I'm really she, excited. She uh, sings and she has, she's been, she does this professionally. It's like the thing that she does. It's like oh, what she's known for. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So patreon.com slash you come obsessed or go to our website, click on the Patreon. Link. Yeah, figure it Join out. Join us. Join us, won't you? All right, tell them what we're talking about today. So this is, the series is called Catching Killers. This is season three, episode two. It's called The Night Terror, The New York Zodiac Killer. Joe Proci lived in this basement apartment. He was a lonely old defenseless guy who's now fighting for his life. The 7-5 precinct led the city over 100 shootings a year. But the strange thing on this one case, this note was there. This cryptic, eerie note. At the top is a circle with three symbols. This is the zodiac. The 12 sign will die when the belts in the heaven are seen. I thought, who the fuck are we dealing with? I cannot believe, especially with how obsessed with the zodiac you and I both are, that I did not know. Did you know this? Uh, well, it's not the Zodiac. It's... I know, but like just that it's called the Zodiac. And... Uh, a little bit. Like yeah. there was a little bit of a, I was talking to my parents about this. Because it happens in the 90s. Yeah. And I'm like, it could have been. I, I know that we know that it wasn't. Right. But like it, the, technically, the, if the Zodiac were still alive, he would have been like, he could have done it. No. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. No. This wasn't really <laughs> <No>. his. <laughs> you could tell right away this is a not fake his Zodiac. Jam. Yeah. 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 Well, we, we start May 31st, 1990. We're in the Bronx. We're with the set. We're at the 7 5 precinct. Well, we're actually in Brooklyn because that's where the 7-5 oh, is. Oh, you're right. God damn it. Yeah. And we meet Detective Mike Cravalo. Now, we know all about the 7-5 yes. when we covered the 7-5, but no one that we talked about or met in that documentary is here with us today. This is sort of like To which crossing. I say, thank God. You know what I mean? I know. Come on. Let's I focus. I feel like we kind of learn. You don't last at that precinct very long. No, unless you're stealing shit. <laughs> I know. Which they all did. And if you haven't heard our episode called The 7-5, go find it. It's a fan fave. I mean, it was really... But like, it was a, it was the deadliest precinct in the country for a long yes. time. So like, a lot of shit went down at The 7-5. So Mike is telling us about this poor defenseless old man named Joe Proci. He was like an old man who'd been shot in front of his building and the killer left a note calling himself the Zodiac. Yeah. But when we meet Detective 
Mike. He's he's sitting crotch first. Yes. And he has a very good tailor who he wants us to know sews his name into his custom suits. Because he that's walks, how you know you've made it, I think. That's true. Mike walks onto the set and like I feel like the producer is trying to get him to say something over the top. And they do that with every single person we meet, and we meet a number of people. How about Grumpy Santa that we get later? You mean the guy from Duck Dynasty? <laughs> yes. He's not really from Duck Dynasty. No, 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 no. He really longs for the good old days of police brutality. Oh, I'll tell you that oh, much. I think oh, they boy. all kind of do. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> So Detective Mike grew up smack dab in the middle of the Bronx. Yeah. He loved the way cops look in uniform. I was like, Mike. I know. (laughs) I was 17 years old when that yearbook came out. Two months later, I put up my right hand and I was sworn into the NYPD. They wanted me to be an undercover in the vice squad. And that's the stepping stone to my detective shield. Seems a little young, especially since they want him to join the Vice Squad. And work undercover. I mean, like, those are the guys that would go into the gay bars and pretend to be gay and then arest you after, like, entrapping you into, like, grabbing their crotches. I was going to say, that's that's a real thing. Like, they would literally go wait in the bathrooms at Stonewall and, like, show their peens to you, Mm -hmm. get you to touch their actual peens, and then they would arrest you. you. Like, that's real. That's really part of gay history. Yeah. It's wild. Right. Well, this is 1990, so we're a little past (laughs) that point. I'm just saying, he likes a man in uniform. He does like a man in uniform. So Detective Mike eventually moves on to be the commanding officer of the Crimes Against Senior Citizens Squad. Which I was like, happy to know those exist. I know. Where were you when they were fleecing my mom? My mom got one of those like afternoon call. I mean, one of those horrible horrible nightmare situations. Yeah. Convincing. Yeah. The old lady, like student loan stuff. I mean, it was absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible. horrible. Burning in hell. Seriously. So that's where Detective Mike was in 1990, the day Joe Proci was shot. Yes. So there, the bullet is found at the scene, and after picking up Joe Proci's jacket, it fell to the ground. Because right? they say that it went right through him. Yeah. Like it was at like such close range, and he was like probably such a, a frail older man. The right. bullet went right through him. And he was wearing a heavy coat, even though it was May. Yeah. So that's sort of why we're here with this. And they interview Joe because he survives the attack. He said he was out for his nightly walk. The guy followed him. He told him, get away from me. I don't have any money. And that's when he was shot. It was dark. His eyesight was not good. He couldn't tell us what the perpetrator looked like. He doesn't get a, a look at the perpetrator. And so we don't have any, like, physical description to go on. And that's okay, Joe. That's of course. All right. No, Joe, it's not your fault. But, like, it's wild that, it, like, the 90s is my lifetime. Yeah. And so we are reminded over and over again in this episode how bad technology was. I know. They have no systems. They have no databases. And it's, like, it's very hard to catch criminals back in those days. Yeah. And when the victim is someone who just isn't really built to be a great eyewitness, yep. which is, yep. again, fine. But, like, this is why these people do this at night. They yep. find someone who's a little old. Older. Maybe it was pretty obvious the way Joe was walking. He's wearing a heavy coat in yeah. May. He was a perfect knock prey these for glasses this guy. off my face. I wouldn't be able to see you across <gasps> the table. Is that right? I know. I'm, my eyes are bad, girl. They're real bad, I right? Know. Yeah. When I went to see if I was a candidate for LASIK, they looked at my eyes and went, whoa. <laughs> So no? So absolutely not. Why? My eyes are all like, I have astigmatism in both eyes, so they're oh, like, wow. mis- they're basically squares. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know, I thought LASIK like cured all for everyone. Nope. I didn't know that there was like a, a, a way that you couldn't get it. Not for me. I, they, they were like, Linda, come over here and look at these. <gasps> You're not going to believe what's in here. Are you in the science books now? I should be. <laughs> the guy with the square eyes. <laughs> Travel down. Girl, Wild Grain is a sponsor this week. I know you are very excited to talk about it. I'm gonna shut the I'm gonna shut the hell up. I've been dying to talk about this. So Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Let me tell you, we had the croissant, we had the sourdough baguette, we had the sourdough loaf. Each item you bake it right from frozen in 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. What is like the word for foodie for people who just like bread? Because that is Steve. Steve is a bready. When we got our wild grain box, Steve tore, actually Golden tore it open. He was like, Golden smelled the bread, tore the mm-hmm. thing open. We popped the baguette right in. The, I'm a baguette and yeah. I we devoured that baguette in 30 seconds. And you've been dying to talk about this for a week. Like, you, this is the real deal, fam. Jillian's like, signed up for this for life. Yeah, Mike made, I'm not kidding, my hand to, I swear. Yesterday, <laughs> Mike was just like, I'm a little hungry. Like, a snack he wanted was the yeah. last sourdough baguette we had. And I'm like, we have to order more because I don't <gasps> know how we're going to survive without it. So fam, you can fully custom 
customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box full of bread, all pasta, all pastries, you can have it. That's right. And plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO to start your subscription. You heard her. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash TCO. That's wildgrain.com slash TCO. Or you can use promo code TCO at checkout. You really love this one. I just got to say, I'm one more plug from GP. Mike was like, did you do the wild grain ad yet? Did you do the wild grain ad? (laughs) We love it so much. So the cops are trying to match the bullet to a gun, but the bullet didn't have any unique markings on it. And we this is where we learned that the killer used what they're calling a zip gun. How are we hearing this for the first time on episode 7000? They're describing it as a crude homemade, homemade gun. gun. I was like, Woof. what? Woof. <laughs> so they describe it and every word is like more terrifying than the next. So well, it's basically a length of pipe. It's a rubber band, like a slingshot with a nail in it. Zip gun. They're impossible to trace. It's just a piece of plumbing. It's just a piece of plumbing. Right. Like, you can 3D print plastic guns now. It's just a piece of plumbing, he says. Oh, my like, God. Like, it's nothing. I know. Oh, my God. Look, he's not looking at Square Eyes Heinz right no. in the face and being like, it's just a piece of plumbing. It's just a piece of plumbing, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. <laughs> now, the shooter wrote a note, yes. right? And it was, you know, supposed to be very reminiscent of the famous San Francisco Zodiac yeah. case because it had, like, the crosshairs and, you know, this is the Zodiac speaking and yeah. all that stuff. And remember, the Zodiac in San Francisco had never been caught. Uh-huh. So as far as the cops knew, he's still out there. Well, because like, the Zodiac was in the late 60s and let's imagine the guy was like thir- in his 30s then I guess so he yeah, would yeah, have yeah. been like in his I guess you could still be a serial killer in your 50s I mean <laughs> there's a lot you can do there's a lot you can still but, like because uh, I am inching closer and closer to that decade every minute <laughs> every minute square eyes Heinz <laughs> square eyes doing your best out there <laughs> so New York sends the note to the crime lab in San Francisco because they're like alright well it's probably a copycat, but let's send it out to San Fran anyway. But what's wild about that is that really all they can do is like forensic comparison, like, the, like right. or fingerprints. There's no like or like handwriting, which is swabbing for anyway. DNA. Like we are we are in the dark ages in 1990. Yeah, ballistics is telling us there's nothing to identify firearm used. Oh shit! I call the lab to see if they can tell us anything. Okay, there's no fingerprints on this note. Oh shit. No movement on the note. Shit, God damn it. And this is where he says all of the resources at the 75 went to homicide because in those days it was constant. They described the number of homicides in this precinct as being like the ocean waves that just keep oh, coming in. Yeah. So June 18th, 18 days after the Joe Prochi shooting, there's another shooting and yeah. there's another note. Yeah. And they say it looks just like the one that we found at the Prochi scene a few weeks ago. Opens with, this is the Zodiac. And like the killer sent this to the New York Post, which is a newspaper in New York, which is exactly what the Zodiac used to do, sending it to the newspaper in San Francisco. Right. And so like the handwriting looks the same as the note from the Prochi scene. And it says... All shoot in Brooklyn with a 380 RNL or a 9mm, no grooves on bullets. Right. And this guy is trying very, very hard to make it seem like he's the California Zodiac from the 60s, only he's really leaning into the astrology thing, yeah. which the California Zodiac did not do. No, but Mike also says the whole, like, no grooves on the bullet thing, that's something that only, only. the killer would know. Exactly. So, th- like, this is the same person. So, this fake Zodiac, this New York Zodiac, is taking credit for the Joe Prochi shooting yep. and two other shootings that happened before that and these the cops were totally unaware of these other shootings that he's taking credit for and like Mike and team spring into action they're checking all the shootings that coincided with these dates and times and they find two that match the shooting that this guy is talking about right the first one is Mario Orzoco. I think is how you say it. It happened on March 8th, 1990. This man worked at a restaurant in Manhattan. He had a disability where he walked with a limp. Mm -hmm. He was shot in the back. The shooter wore a mask. And after he was down, the shooter stood over him and put the gun to his head and then doesn't fire. And doesn't fire. He's just wreaking havoc out there. What a piece of shit. Then a German Montenegro, and this guy was very drunk, so the cops say he was an easy target. And he might have already been passed out, they say, because he couldn't give a description. And they're calling this guy a serial shooter. Because all three of these guys have survived. These two new guys and Joe Prochi, they all lived. And so this New York Zodiac thinks he killed these people. Right. But all of them survived. But here's the wild thing. They realize that in his notes, he's got a drawing of a pie chart. We then realize... His drawings on the pie slice coincides with the three correct astrological signs of the first three victims. Roscoe Montenegro Croci 
He had the Taurus, he had the Scorpio, and he had the Gemini. He was three for three. One of each of these men has that star sign. Right. So somehow he is knowing, like, the star signs of the people that he's killing. Right. So imagine, like, th- that, that means these can't be random shootings, right? Yeah. Or he's walking up to people saying, like, like what's, what's your, your sign? sign? Yeah. But, like, you're just going to tell a random stranger? Like, you would you would think they would remember these men lived. Right. And they're not saying that he's they're doing not. that. They're not, yeah. So it's like, how does he know their signs? Because when he's mailing these, like, letters to the police, he's like, I just killed a Taurus. Right, right, right. How'd you know, how'd you know that Joe Proci was a Taurus? And the other thing is that there are nine more signs in the Zodiac. Right. So how do we stop this guy before he hurts or kills somebody else? Which is like, this guy definitely seems much more organized than the California Zodiac. Like, the California Zodiac, every life is precious, and one killing is too many, but the California Zodiac didn't actually kill all that many people in comparison to other serial killers. And, like, they were either felt kind of random, or he left, like, you know, like, with the cab driver, he, like, was seen, and he, like, left, you know, like, there was, like, the, the fingerprint... This guy seems organized. He's going in order of astrological signs, and he's getting his victims' astrological signs somehow. And there's no evidence, so there are no prints on the notes. Yeah. So he probably wore gloves. And then, meanwhile, like in the middle of all this, San Francisco confirms this is a copycat, mm-hmm. and the cops are like, "This didn't help us one bit. No, we are <laughs> right. screwed." San Francisco, you <laughs> fucked us on this. We specifically asked you, please do not fuck us on this, and they did. And this is where we learn that like the zodiac is just really into the zodiac, like the zodiac sign. Yeah, right. We're, like this fake Zodiac, I'm just going to call him fake Zodiac, Yeah, just keeps writing about like Orion and the Seven Sisters, all these constellations. Right. And so Mike says there's an aspect to the investigation that required some thought outside of the peripheral uh, here box. here we go. <laughs> Wait till we, oh, we're going to be a warlock in this episode, all fam. All the offbeat stuff, they say, <laughs> like I roll. Well, because so, Larry's here. And Detective Larry's, Larry. He's great, but he was assigned to like learn about all this occult stuff. Right. People call this a lot of things. They call this the devil desk. They call it the voodoo team. So Larry was part of that team who was looking into astrology, astronomy, witchcraft, all the offbeat stuff. Astrology and astronomy and witchcraft, and he was in charge of looking into all of that. They're trying to get ahead of this guy. So Detective Larry's story is that he grew up in Brooklyn yeah. with wise guys and people who knew wise guys, which are like people in the mob. Uh-huh. And they'd all brag about it, but not on Larry's watch. Not on his he goddamn watch. He did not watch. appreciate it. No. He thought it gave Italians a bad name and he'd have no part of it. Yes. Wonder yes. how he feels about the Sopranos. He probably hates it. He probably hates um, it. But he wanted to be in the organized crime unit, and he goes, Yeah, but having an Italian last name kind of branded you. Because they were he was told. He wasn't allowed to play in their reindeer game. No, they're like, we got enough of you out there that we're trying to get. We don't need Italians on, like, the good guy's side. Like, like what? what? I don't know what's going on here. What's going on at the 7-5? What's happening? You but, guys are a little bit out of your minds. And Detective Larry's like, yeah, some people use that as a crutch. And then he starts yeah. fake crying. He's like, oh, because I'm Italian. I didn't get that job. And he's like, no, you didn't get it because you're not good enough. I, I'm like, Detective Larry, Larry. His family f- operated within the law he wants us to know. Like, by the book. By the, okay. they are do-gooders. So anyway, this is unlike anything they've ever dealt with before. Yeah. The notes, the Zodiac thing, the astrology. And they start really looking at it in a very organized, like Steve Tipton, Excel spreadsheet, yep. Natalie Grillo kind of way. We created a chart with the dates of the shootings. We had March 8th, March 29th, and May 31st. What we could see was a 21-day cycle being followed here. He's following a 21-day cycle. Yes. And they call up the Parks Department, and they speak to a very prestigious astronomer, and we don't know anything about this person. We don't get the person's name, and I was also, like, excited to know that the Parks Department employs, like, a fancy astrologer. Well, astronomer. Oh, astronomer. <laughs> is there a difference? Yes. <laughs> Tell me private school. Well, astrology is, Is like, this the difference between, like, a psychiatrist and a, and a therapist? Like, probably, one can prescribe psych- Psychologist and psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> astronomy is actually the study of, like, the stars and uh-huh. the sky and the constellations and the planets and astrology is like your horoscope. Oh, right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. I went to a Christmas party the other day where there was a tarot card reader. What'd you get? Uh, it was really good. I can't remember any of the cards, but oh. she was like, it's a, it's a good, I got the one with the sword. Girl. What? <laughs> there are like 20 with swords. Oh, <laughs> Swords is like a suit. Oh, oh, okay. Well, she said they were very good. The year 2024 is going to be a good year for me, she well, said. Well, thank God for that. Thank God for that. This is why everyone take pictures of your tarot reading so oh, you can really? look back. Yeah, th- then you can look, kind of look back and... My big takeaway from the tarot reading was that at my next party, I'm having a tarot reader. Oh, so fun. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Maybe it'll be you. 
No. <laughs> no, you just want to come to the party. I just want to come to the party. <laughs> but I like going to parties, and, and I'm not one of those, like, jerks about yeah. it. I'm going to listen to whatever they say. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not no, going to be like, great. well, uh, to me, the Three of Swords means this. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No, 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 Because no. it's all about, I love, it's all about interpretation. Anyway, yes. this prestigious astronomer yes, I, yep. tells them that on March 8th, three specific constellations were visible at the time of the shooting. Seven Sisters, Taurus, and Orion. March 29th, all three were visible at the time of the shooting. The next two 21-day periods, the stars were not in the sky at the same time. No shootings. So March 8th and March 29th are days that people got shot. Right. Right? So they line up with when these constellations were all visible. This 21-day cycle theory. Right. So the next two 21-day cycles, the stars were not all in the the sky at the same time. They weren't all visible. And what happened? No shootings. There you go. This guy is fucking organized. And that's why the next shooting is on May 31st, because the three constellations were visible again. At 2.04 a.m. So on June 21st, all three will be visible again. And that's what the cops are looking at now. They're like, something's going to happen on June 21st between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. And we... We got to figure this out. Which is like so wild. They like Larry says it's never been done before that you were able to predict when a shooting was going to take place within a couple of hours. It must feel like magic because they they take it to the chief the and the chief like, doesn't believe girl. it. And he's the like, chief right. is like, what, a square eyes Heinz running this division? And, and then Detective Larry's like, right, you don't have to believe in it. Yeah. Our perp does. It right. doesn't matter yeah. what you believe. Yeah. The point is the 21 day cycle theory is kind of we just kind of proved it maybe. Well, but then the thing is, where the hell is he going to be I, right. on the 21st between right. those three hours? Like, I'm really glad you narrowed it down, but how do you narrow down where he's going to be? But you know what? The chief was like, you know what? Screw that. You have all the resources you fucking need. It's, Every single cop in the in the city of New York is going to be out on the 21st. It's all hands on deck on yeah. June 21st. But like Mike calls the, the, Mike calls the newspaper. I got on the phone to the New York Post and I said, please do not put this out. When we get this guy, I'm going to give you an exclusive. But next morning, Front page, New York Post. Cover of the Post the next day. Well, I don't understand why he needed to, why they needed to be called in the first place. No one knew about the 21st connection, so just work the case and get it done. Why do you have to call the Post to be like, hey? I know. Here's the thing we don't want you to know about. And also, (laughs) it's setting yourself up for failure because it's pretty hard to catch a murder in real, like, there are five boroughs you have to look at. I know. Or maybe not. Maybe it's the tri-state area. You don't know where this guy is. Why are you telling the Post anything? Yeah. And the Post sucks. The Post sucks. Even, I guess you're right, like, even, even if the post hadn't blown their their cover how do you cover all all of new york right what do you i don't know because what you're thinking new york city fam if you don't know new york city is not just manhattan it's like all the five boroughs yeah and brooklyn is huge brooklyn is like the third biggest city in the it's country huge yeah so i just don't maybe this is like this got lost in translation or lost in editing but i'm just i don't understand why he had to give the post this heads up give about, me the post i gotta call them and tell them about a story they don't know and i don't want them to run it yeah keep your trap shut until yeah. the 22nd about this thing that you didn't know it's about the post I, They've been trashed for quite some time. But we see the chief. He goes, the one who was like, I don't really know about all this, Larry. He goes on the news and he's like, If any individual approaches them in any fashion uh, and the subject gets around to the date of birth, to be extremely careful. And we would like to know about any incident like that that's happened. We'd like to know about it immediately. Let me tell you something. This is before Tinder and yes. Grinder and all that. What's your sign was the only pickup line people had in 1990. I... <laughs> and now you're telling people. Are you people, watching Seinfeld or whatever? If anyone asks you. If yeah. anyone asks you what. Everyone in Midtown in a bar was be, be talking about what your sign was. Oh, God, that's terrifying. No apps or nothing. If there was, like, I was thinking about this today because, like, there's an active serial killer at this time on the loose in Manhattan right. or in, in all of New York City, right? And I'm like, there probably is that right now, too, as we speak. There's probably an active serial killer that many of the police know about that we don't know about. Yes. The Post has made the entire city aware of it. I would not leave my house. Mm -hmm. If I knew there was an active serial killer with a homemade nail gun on the loose, killing people at random, but also knowing they're, but not random enough because he knows there's zodiac signs, I would just stay inside. But like Uh, at the same time, there probably is that happening right now. I just don't know about it. In some way. Yeah. Oh, I know. Great. Should I we live, just move I into live the booth? in this booth now. I know. <laughs> what the fuck? Travel down the road and back again. 
Girl, Helix is back. You know, that's the mattress we've been sleeping on for years. Yeah, you take the sleep quiz and you just say how many people sleep in your bed and what their preferences are. And then they just tell you the best one and then you sleep better for the rest of your life. I want to tell you a story. I woke up this morning, rolled over to my husband and said, thank God for Helix. I got such a good night's sleep last night. I was so well rested. I was like, thank God for Helix. You know, that old adage or whatever, like there's nothing like sleeping in your own bed. And it's so true. And when you have a Helix, you're like, oh, you just can't wait to climb in. Listen, we love it. They're so confident in their product, fam. They offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out new Helix mattresses. Like, you're going to love it. And you get to try it 100 nights risk-free. Also, they send it right to your door. If for some reason you don't love it, they come and take it away. Yeah, and they have all these different mattress models to choose from. So it's designed for like every every kind of sleeper there is. So they have like models with memory foam layers. If you sleep on your side, they have models with like a responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support. Are you kidding? (laughs) Also, you don't have to take our word for it, fam. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine, fam. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Who doesn't want to sleep better, girl? I don't know, but I don't need that in my life anymore, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So, fam, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. We love those pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash TCO and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long, fam. Yeah, with Helix, better sleep starts now. Like right now. And you're going to wake up the next morning and thank your partner or thank yourself for getting yourself a Helix. You want to wait on better sleep? I don't think so. Not in this economy. No. I don't think so. So June 21st, Operation Watchdog is put into effect. They put this like all-star team, best of the best, right? Everyone's getting ready to go. And this is where we meet Detective Louis Savarisi, who's, he's not like a real detective. He's a cool detective. I call him Grumpy Santa because he looks just like Santa. He's right out of Duck Dynasty. He's got the hat, (laughs) the long beard, the camo (laughs) pants, a utility vest of some kind. I know. He's got a lot of tattoos. And he's here. Got my friend's names on here. My friend Buckets, he's dead. Brian, he got killed in 9-11. On my back, I have uh, faces of uh, serial killers. I got Manson, Charlie Manson, Berkowitz. I got John Wayne Gacy, the clown. And the theme was evil that men do. The theme of this tattoo art on his back is evil that men do. It's very weird. And he says without cops, there would be anarchy. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, he's a little out of time it's and place. It's major, like, it's a hard job, but someone's got to do it yes, vibes. Because yes. it's like, I saved the world from bad guys. Uh-huh. So I'm like, all right, Louis. Oh, uh, um, Louis. Louis is definitely the uncle you got to be careful around uh, at Thanksgiving. You know what he, I mean? Or you just don't go. Yeah. But you don't, I don't know if you want to introduce that uncle to your friends. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. Because um, Louis, Detective Louis logs for the good old days. He I says, know. we hunted the streets. Now we have to say canvassing. I know. Uh, but I was hunting. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh. I know. I I know. So they have no leads. They have to find this guy based on nothing. And this is where, you know, he says, we toss questions and frisk everybody who moved now would be considered a violation of your civil, civil rights. rights with all the snowflakes. And I I'm like, no. Because I'm also Louis. like, Mike, if you were to go back to that night in 1990 where you're actually tossing, frisking, and manhandling everybody you could Assaulting find. Assaulting people. Let's line them up and let's actually take a picture of what the, they look like. Yeah, I don't who know. Who were about you that. actually doing that what to, Mike? You, I don't know. You know what I mean? I mean, this is post-Ted Bundy, no? Yeah. We know that mediocre white guys do this the most. Yep, but I bet they weren't the ones that were getting tossed That's what I'm saying. That's you what know? I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. good old days, right? Nope. Yikes. Yeah. So by 4 a.m., nothing has happened. This is where we get a lot of the cops being really sad that nobody was brutally murdered. And they're like, they're look, like, we don't want to say it, but like, <laughs> we have to call off the hunt at 4 a.m. And they're yeah. super frustrated. They're mad that nobody was brutally killed to like prove their theory that they could pinpoint within a couple of hours when the next killing was also like that oh okay that's a whole other thing to unpack but also just because because they have the whole like the astronomy knowledge that they have where it's like these are are visible the most between 1 a.m and 4 a.m but just because something horrible happens at 3 30 a.m doesn't mean it's going to get called in the minute it happens yeah and also we learned that they were mostly in like brooklyn they weren't really focusing on manhattan because we will learn later too that like the killer has zones that he targets. Right. And they're all mostly in Brooklyn. So, like, that's where most of the cops are. Until, so they're super frustrated, right? Yeah. He goes, there's nothing left to do but go back to the barn and sign the overtime slips. <laughs> go back to God. the barn. <laughs> but Detective Mike gets a phone call. Yeah. And it's from the Central Park Police. He said, you didn't get anybody up in uh, Queens and Brooklyn tonight, did you? I said, no. He says, you know why? Because he just shot somebody in Central Park. 
Son of a bitch. Someone was shot in Central Park. To son which, of a bitch. I'm like, did you go to the Janine Pirro School of Filming documentary? I know, I know, because he literally goes, son, son of, of a bitch. bitch. So, and they're like, look, look, while it's horrible yes. that someone got shot, which is true. My next note is everyone is celebrating. Because the cops are like, we, the point is, they're explaining their celebration. Yeah. They're like, we feel vindicated because the 21-day cycle was right. We yeah. were just at the wrong location. And I'm like, right, well, that doesn't do anything for the person who was shot. And like, there's no way you could have been at the, unless you had, like, there's, no. the city is too big. And the post is all over it. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yes. So victim number four is Larry Parham. He was an unhoused black man. Yeah. And he was shot one time. And again, he's still alive because just like Joe Proci, the bullet went right through him. Yeah. And he was like sleeping on a bench in Central Park near the band shell. And like, right, he was asleep. So he, he can't give a description. Right. He doesn't know what the guy looks like. But once again, there's a note at the scene. And guess what? He got the guy's star sign right. Yeah. So Parham is a cancer and this time, you know, he's got the pie chart where he's where he's like filling in all the signs. Yes, yeah. he added cancer. So he right. knew, this man who was asleep when he attacked him, he did not have a conversation with him. Somehow he knew this guy was a cancer. How? Because maybe he asked him the day before. Like he's stalking these maybe. people in some in maybe. some sense. Yeah. So there are eight more signs left, which means eight more people are in danger, right? Like, which is actually terrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know how many more there are to go. We have to stop this guy. Yeah. So like if you're a Leo, stay inside. If you're right? an Aries, stay inside. Yeah. It's like, yeah, cancer season now. It's like, and because yeah. it's like in the time, you know, June, whatever. So late June 1990, Joe Proci dies from his injuries. Yes. Now the manhunt has turned into a homicide investigation. The Zodiac shooter was now... The Zodiac Killer. This is now officially a homicide investigation. Yep. And there's a 50-person task force. And <laughs> Detective Mike's like, it's that line from that movie, you're going to need a bigger boat? And I'm like, Jaws? Jaws? <laughs> like one of the most famous lines ever uttered on screen Jaws. ever? What a fucking terrifying movie. Terrifying. You know what I mean? You feel about planes the way I feel about sharks. My mom's like, that made me never want to go in a pool again. <laughs> Jaws fucked people up. I know. That first scene? I know. Oh, my God. And, and the mayor is an idiot. And the mayor is not listening to Dreyfus and all the scientists. Listen, you I know. dummies. I have, you know there's a play on Broadway right now about how the disastrous filming of the making of Jaws. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I can't think of what it's called, but there's a play on Broadway. Is about, that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alex Brightman is in it. Where have I been? Brightman's about to go to Spamalot in I know. a couple he weeks. He couldn't go into the original company because he was doing this play. What the hell? Why don't I know about this? It's Brightman and Jaws? Yeah. It's called The Shark is Broken. Oh, all yeah. right. I got to go now. Oh, you got to go. Well, before January 7th or whatever. I don't have time. <laughs> I know. Uh, so anyway, the 21-day cycle continues. And yeah. now they start looking into witchcraft and black magic. And it's so stupid. But here we are. Oh, my God. So, like, this is where Larry... Because, like, it, the 21-day cycle is a real thing. And, yeah. like, maybe if they learn about witchcraft and wizardry, they could, like, maybe figure out how to stop this guy. Because just knowing when he's going to do it is not enough. Because it's not, it's not stopping anything. The city has a zillion people in it. So he goes and meets with a warlock. And he decides he's going to tell us what a warlock is. It's a male witch. Okay. And his name is Herman Slater. Yeah. And he's well known in the occult community. Yeah. He was like super famous for a time. Oh, was he? ran he? like a community center. He's a pretty controversial Here? guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he died of AIDS in 1992, actually. Oh, wow. But he had like a lot of famous bookstores in the city and he was kind of like known. I mean, the guy sells ceremonial robes, sacrificial daggers. I think sacrificial. Daggers are something that's used. Like it's not. It's not like a, like to be used like later today. I just thought that was a pretty earth responsible thing to say. Yeah. I'm just saying. So Herman, Candles and books. Like, Herman Slater tells the cops that the shooter killer is a follower of Aleister Crowley, who died in 1947. Which makes sense. He's in a lot of these. Yeah, he's a pretty, you know, well-known guy in the occult, right? Uh-huh. And so... Herman Slater, the warlock, tells the cops. The warlock. I just wanted like, on a business card. Yeah. Herman Slater, warlock. Which I'm sure he did. <laughs> like, that's how he knew. Like, he ran a community center. Like, he was yeah. super into this. But he tells the cops. And Slater says, I don't carry that stuff. I don't touch his, his works. That he said, if you even say their name, if they know that you know their name, they will kill you. Don't say their name. If you know their name, they will kill you. And I'm like, look, I don't know. I wasn't there. Even Larry makes a face. Like, Larry, who's scared, isn't that scared. But, like, 
for someone who's so educated in this, controversial or not, Herman Slater, yeah. I, it just seems silly that he would respond this way. Like, I think something was lost in translation because he kind of knows better. Like, uh-huh. I just don't think he'd be like, I don't even say their name. Right. It's like, what? <laughs> like, you know better, no, Herman? Well, I don't know. But the thing is, like, Herman's not the only one who doesn't carry Alistair <laughs> Crowley's book. Like, well, like, Larry is searching every occult store he can find in the five boroughs. He can't find one. He's got to go to the library. Okay. So, Detective Larry <laughs> goes... This is Get ready for a ghost story, fam. The Fifth Avenue Research Library. Which I have spent a lot of time there. I Same. love that place. I love it, too. Yeah. He gets the book. He sits it down. According to Detective Larry, the book opens automatically. Open. There was a note inside. White devil and lightning bolt. From that moment, I was afraid. I took my gun, <laughs> loosened it up in my belt. Detective Larry is so afraid that he pulls a gun <laughs> on a book in the library. <laughs> He pulled his gun on a book, and, and it was such a prominent moment in this man's life. They do a reenactment they for do the a documentary. Re-enactment. And from behind the camera, they ask, be honest, is any of this helpful? <laughs> because it's getting so ridiculous even for the series. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. They're like, look, we tried everything. So, in other words, no. Right, yeah. It was not helpful at all. Can you imagine pulling a no. gun on a book in the library? No, I mean, it's like, absolutely. And it feels like we need all hands on deck trying to actually find this guy. Right. Stop going to a cult store. Gonna find him at the Fifth Avenue Library. No, you're not. Come on, I know. everybody, get a grip. But even Mike is like, Larry worked his ass off trying to get all this information. Like people were really like, Larry was working really hard. Right. Girl, Talkspace is back. Look, I think this is a really good point that Talkspace makes, that sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist, but you don't need to wait, fam. You can get a therapist through Talkspace, like, right now. Yeah, and this is a good time, too, because I think a lot of people have pressure for the new year, and they're feeling like, I don't know what my new year is going to be like. You know what? You're going to be great. I know. Can I tell you, too, you're matched with a provider typically within 48 hours. When I found my therapist, like, the old-fashioned way, it took me three weeks. Yeah, that is super inconvenient, and what's incredibly convenient about this is that they have virtual sessions. So you can yes. talk to your licensed therapist wherever you are or you can send them texts, you can send them voice notes. If something's in your head and you just want to get it out, you don't want to wait till next Thursday. Totally. And then it's your whole afternoon. You have a 145 appointment. That's it. That's your whole day. Oh my God. Like the hour it takes you to get there, the session and the Forget hour. It. That's the three hour thing. Absolutely not. Also, good to know Talkspace is secure and private using the latest end-to-end bank grade encryption technology to store client information and complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. This is the real deal. Fam. Yeah, and Talkspace is affordable and in network with most major insurers. So, fam, as a listener to TCO, you'll get 80 bucks off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash TCO. Yeah, to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash TCO and get 80 bucks off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash TCO. And this is a virtual hug from me just to say that I love you and to, to get you started on the on the path. Yeah, everything's going to be great. We love you guys. Yes, we love you so love much. You. Girl, Chime is back this week. Listen, fam, no matter how you're starting off the new year, when you use the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can build your credit score with on-time payments for everyday purchases. I got to tell you, that's a lot of words, but you're building your credit score by paying things on time. And if this had been around in my 20s, I would have really needed it and used it. Yeah, new year, new credit score, new you. And there are a lot of things that factor into a credit score, but paying things on time is one of the most important things that affects your score. Also, fam, with Chime, there's no annual fees, interest, or credit check to apply because the credit check can sometimes affect your score. Not with Chime. Yeah, and you can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. And you get a checking account, too. Yes, you're building credit using your own money. Like, this is such a good idea. I cannot tell you how desperately I would have needed this. Yeah, and you can get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. So with a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money even sooner and keep building your credit and boosting your credit score. This is also a reason why I love them. You get access to 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. Those fee kill you. Sometimes they're like five to seven dollars. It's ridiculous. We should be in the ATM business. We We missed out. I know. So fam, start building your credit. Open a Chime checking account with at least a $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com slash TCO. That's Chime.com slash TCO. So girl, give us those mandatory disclosures. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Out of network ATM withdrawal and over-the-counter advance fees may apply. Call 1-844-244-6363 for details. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Well done, girl. So proud of you. One take. One One take take wonder wonder. over here. 
So they finally catch a break. Yeah. I got a call from the lab. We've got fingerprint evidence from the Larry Parham letter. Somewhere on the side, there was an index with 15 points of identification on it. But we didn't have computers in these days. So we just couldn't, you know, look through a database to see if anything coincided. They had to manually go through every fingerprint they had on file and try to match it manually. That is insane. And so eventually, we'll get more into that later. Yeah. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. That's not going to make any sense. But yeah. they're basically waiting till this guy hops a turnstile. They're saying like he's going to hop a turnstile, get arrested and fingerprinted. And then like that's going to be the only way we're going to like match this guy up. I'm like, that could be forever. And like... Are you sure he's hopping a turnstile? <laughs> How do you know that? Is it written in the stars that he's? Is it written in the stars? <laughs> How do you know that he's going to jump a turnstile? And I'm like, so you're to... just going to be harassing people who are jumping turnstiles? Uh, we'll get back to that in one second. I want to take a second here and say hello to all my Joanna Gleason fans in the group. <laughs> oh, because, they love listen, that. Listen, I made one Joanna Gleason reference in an episode forever ago. I'm like, that is for the two people who don't know. Yeah. We were flooded, flooded. With, with posts in the Facebook group. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I sang eight notes from Aida just now, yes. and I'm like. Like somebody knew what it was. Yes. Is it written in the stars? Come on, my strongest suit. God's experiment. I mean, that show, unbelievable. It's so good. Unbelievable. Anyway, hi guys. Hey everyone. <laughs> to the Aida people. You know, I saw that show with Zillion. I, sh- I saw too. that show with Diane Dane. Diane Dane. Diane, Diane oh. Dane. No, that's from that thing you do. From, uh, what's oh, her with, name? Oh, 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 I know. Taylor who, Duma. Yeah, Taylor Dane. Taylor Duma. Oh my yeah, one. She <laughs> was, uh, she played. She played Amneris. She played Amneris, who was originally played by Sharon Renee Scott. Scott. What is this, a gay queen? What's going on over here? No, I'm just talking. No one's being quizzed, just having a conversation. (laughs) Diane Dane, that's a deep cut for my That Thing You Do people out there. Wow. Really? Honestly, you are very important to me. So, uh, yeah, the cops are just going to like... If you don't know Sherry Renee Scott, now we're here, we're here. Okay. We're, now we're and just here for Leo a minute. And Norbert Leo Butts if we're doing this. Oh, my God. If we're doing Leo this. Leo Butts is literally my favorite Broadway actor of all time. He's amazing. And the reason I jumped there is because they did the last five years Of together. course. So that's now, why. if you don't know Sherry Renee Scott, go YouTube her well, right now. She's incredible. Norbert Leo Butts my favorite Broadway actor of all time. He's One excellent. time, I was in the playground with my husband and Daisy. He walked in with his daughter. You meet a lot of people in the playground. I... Playground is hopping. just us. And I, I didn't know what he... They came right over. They were talking to us. Like, oh it was no big deal. Oh my God. He's talking to me like he's not Norbert oh Leo goddamn butts. Oh my God, oh my God. I played it. Steve was squeezing my hand like, don't ruin oh this. Just be cool. Yeah, yeah. And as we were leaving, I turned to him and I said, I just want you to know you're the Beatles the, to me. Oh my God. What and he, his face, he's so like, because we've been talking for 10 minutes. Like, yeah. it, like, like it was just a normal day. Like it wasn't the best day. Just another day. We were talking like it was just a normal day. And then I turned to butts and I said, butts. I just want you to know you're the Beatles to me. He's excellent. Yeah. He's, he's excellent in Bloodline. He's I excellent mean, in everything. So, yeah, the cops are just going to, like, start harassing people who are hopping the turnstile because they have it in their minds that this guy's yep. going to start hopping turnstiles. It doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, the, Again. The point they is— They can't wait to just manhandle and harass people. That is, is what we're true. talking about. But I'm wondering why—like, are they at the same time going through all the fingerprints they already have on file? I don't know. You know what I mean? So, it's July 12th, and it's 21 days after the Larry Parham shooting, who was yeah. the unhoused man in Central Park. And they're on the hunt again. And they're trying to catch this guy before he shoots and or kills another person. Yep. And once again, nothing happens. And they're doing this every 21 days. They're calling it Operation Watchdog. Yes. So, every 21 days, they just, like, wander the streets aimlessly. But this time, they had to include Manhattan because that's where Mr. Parham was killed in right. Central Park. So, it was like, they had to expand. Like, this is not a good plan, everybody. It's no. good that you know when it's going to happen. Maybe right. just advise people to stay home. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, how long are we going to do that? Oh, I wait. know. I know. <laughs> we have a lockdown. So they do this three or four more times every 21 days, and nothing happens. This guy's in the wind. He's in the wind. Can we just take a second? It looks like we're, we're on set with Mike, the detective. Mm-hmm. He's just smoking inside. Yeah. He pulls out, like, a cigar, and he's, he's like, I was doing two packs a day back during the Zodiac case. Yeah. You're just, there's a whole set crew of people I there. Know. Did you at least ask? I, I mean, no, no one's going to say no. I guess I would say no if that was I my would set. absolutely say no. So there's three months and no activity. The task force was disbanded at the end of November of 1990. Navy Yard was cleaned out, and everybody went back to their respective commands. We just didn't catch the right break. Was it a failure? Hell yeah, it was a failure. Man, we really wanted to get this guy. You yeah. know, they feel like failures. This was the first point where I was like, oh my God, are we not going to find out who this guy is? And then like years are going by. Yeah. Some of these guys start retiring, you know, and the case is really sticking with them and they wanted to be the ones to get them. And now yeah. like, you know, their pension is calling and they're like off the force. So we jumped to 1994 
and we meet Joe Herbert, who's a sergeant at the 7-5. Now, again, yeah. the stuff in the 7-5 doc was well before this. Like, Mikey Dowd was arrested. Mikey Dowd. That was like the 70s, wasn't it? Or was it the 80s? It was the 80s because Mikey Dowd was arrested in 92. Oh. So Joe Herbert is the sergeant in 1994. Okay. So we, like, we just missed all that. Once again, we do have a lot of new listeners lately. If you're new and you like us, go listen to our episode seven called five. The 7-5. It this is a is, classic TCO. This is like a dress rehearsal for The 7-5. totally. So there's a new fake Zodiac letter. Yep. The headline is, hi, I'm back. <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I'm the fake Zodiac. So Joe Herbert, who's sergeant at the 7-5, his nickname is Porkchop. Oh, my God. Why? Because he likes to eat. <laughs> Grumpy Santa comes back later. He's like, I mean, he's even thin for what he was back then. I still call him Porkchop. Can we not? I, I think Porkchop is a very cute name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But let's, we're not eat, we're not food shaming. Absolutely not. On this podcast. No. Hell no. No. So Joe dives into the case and he starts researching all the crimes that this New York Zodiac is taking all the credit for. Yes. And these are considered like the new round of attacks. Because remember, it's 1984 and yep. they're starting again. Yeah. You know, the thing is like 1990 was when like the first attacks were happening. The attacks we're about to tell you about were in 1992. So this guy really didn't take many years Because we're meeting Joe in 94, it seems like he went silent for a while, but he didn't really. Right. And what's happening is that because there were so many fucking homicides in Manhattan during the time, the, like, Zodiac murders, like, stopped being noticed as separate things. They were just, like, folded into all the other murders. And they weren't investigating them as having any connection. Exactly. So the first one is from August 10th, 1992. Female white stabbed and shot in Highland Park. That was Patricia Fonte. She was stabbed over 100 times, and we found no indication that she was shot, but she could have been. There were so many marks on her body. We didn't get any indication that we were shot, but maybe it was because she was stabbed oh, no. so many times yeah. that a sh- an actual shooting of her body went unnoticed. Yeah, and that was at 1.50 a.m., because remember, we're trying to think about the constellations and what's in the, the yeah. sky at the time or what's visible. So June 4th, 1993, Jim Weber, 12.04 a.m., white male. He was shot in the back. Yep. The next one is Joseph Diacone. He was a homeless man. He was shot in the back of the neck and bled out instantly. God. Remember, this is a fucking homemade nail gun. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And then Diane Ballard, she was shot one time in the neck. She survived. Then there's the fifth victim was June 11th, 1994. But, like, he's taking credit for this victim. They go in search of this body. They cannot they find it. They can't find it. They search exactly where he said it was. They cannot find this body. And they never do. So the NYPD does not connect these attacks to what they're calling, like, the first round. Yeah. Because that was four years ago. And back then, the city had, like, 2,500 homicides per year yep. back then. And even more non-fatal victims. Yes. So they were very, very busy. But Joe is going through all of the evidence sent to them literally by the Zodiac. All and these saying, notes yeah. and letters. And he's like, this is definitely the same guy. So we are like the, the guy from 1990 where we started. This is the same guy that now has nine other bodies. Yeah. And he's starting to change things up a bit. And like I just was saying to you before we started, like, so that means he's got something like close to 20 victims so far. Yeah. And I've never heard of this case. Yeah. And it's in my like basically hometown. Yeah. That's wild. There was a lot happening in New York in the I 90s. know. Crazy. You know? So he's this guy's changing things up a bit. He's not doing the astrological sign so much anymore. Instead, yep. he's drawing these flags. The flags threw me off a little bit. But military people, Navy people, who recognized these flags to be maritime flags. And they were able to break the code fairly quickly. When it's decoded, it says, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am in control. There will be more. Yours truly. There will be more yours truly. What a loser. What a fucking loser. Fucking loser. But the NYPD forms a second task force. Yeah. And Louie, Grumpy Santa, yeah. he's the only holdover from the first round. Yeah, because some of the cops are from the first task force are back. And so now, yeah, Louie's yeah. with us too. So this guy has two comfort zones, we learned. The killer. The yes. shooter, the killer. And they canvass the area. Because so the comfort zones meaning like the area where he's killing most of his victims. So most right. of the victims are in two different areas in Brooklyn. The Mr. Parham one in Central Park was the outlier because he knew they were looking for him that night and that they weren't going to be looking there. So they run every address looking for criminal histories. So this is I think (sighs) this is like good police work but it's like that kind of like because they didn't have databases they have to do this manually so they're like within a mile of his like first comfort zone they get like criminal background checks for every single resident that's like over 4,500 people. And 
That's 4,500 people to fingerprints. Yes. So the task force wants a manual examination of those fingerprints. Because they don't have, like, a computer data. And you see them holding up the partial print from the Parham letter. So they're they're trying to match a partial. Yeah. Not even a full print. No. A partial out of 4,500 people at least. And, like, they have to do this one at a time with, like, basic human eyes. And there wasn't a single match. Poor pork chop is going to sleep with his beeper on his pajamas. <laughs> waiting to be, z- z- waiting to be woken up in the middle of the night. Not a single match. And this again is where like people start, they're like, okay, well, I guess we're just never going to find him. And I was like, oh my God, are we not going to know who this person is? Because now there are no shootings anymore. There's no stabbings. There's no body. Like this is a cold case through and through. And everyone's really bummed. Like once again, people are moving on. They retire or they move precincts or whatever. Joe goes back to the 7-5 where he gets an opportunity to become a fucking hostage negotiator. Okay, so pork chop. So it's June 18th, 1996. I love how you've embraced the nickname. And I'm saying it with love. (laughs) I know. I love it. No, I know. It's clear to me that you love it. It's a cute name for a dog, too. That's what I was thinking. It's also the dog and Doug. A hamster, maybe. Sure. Girl, DraftKings is back. This is the casino game. I know some people think it's weird that it's a sponsor with us. I freaking love it. (laughs) Because DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus exclusive games you won't find anywhere else. I'm learning. I'm, like, getting really good at blackjack. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have to go now. We're going to have to play. Yes. So just download the DraftKings Casino app now and use code TCO. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. I blew right through that girl (laughs) of course you did that's code tco only on DraftKings casino the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in connecticut help is available for problem gambling calling 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly 21 plus physically present in connecticut michigan new jersey pennsylvania west virginia only void in ontario eligibility and other restrictions apply one per new customer. Must opt in and make minimum $5 deposit within seven days, 168 hours of registering new account. Max match $100 in casino credits, which require one-time playthrough within seven days, 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024. All right. See see on the casino floor, everybody, or on the app. Look, don't come at me with the blackjack because I'm going to, look, I'm going to win every time. Okay, you, all right. You're all <laughs> confident. I'm in. I love it. <laughs> June 18th, 1996, there's a hostage well, situation in the 7-5. We're not going to talk about Porkchop, like, takes a, like, a weekend class, becomes a hostage negotiator? Well, it's Porkchop's first hostage negotiation job. I know. So someone named Eddie shot their sister, yeah. and he's holding her boyfriend hostage. Now, they don't tell us if the sister is alive. I think I know. she is. Yeah. So Porkchop is trying to reason with Eddie. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Every time you call Porkchop, it's so funny. Porkchop, mm-hmm. what's going on? So... Porkchop's trying to reason with Eddie. And this went on for at least an hour, an hour and a half. Finally, he says, I'm ready to surrender. I was proud as a peacock because of the bosses. They were patting me on the back, good job, and all that stuff. So I was, I was very satisfied that I didn't blow it because, you know, they don't always go good. He was as proud as a peacock, baby. <laughs> he was proud as a peacock. Well, it takes him 90 minutes to get the guy to surrender. Porkchop saves the day. 90 minutes. I know. Sometimes these things go on for days. When he wrote his biography, he called it Porkchop Saves the Day. I will read the shit out of that. 100%. Write it tomorrow. I'll read it in a day. Yep. Porkchop Saves the Day. Let's go. <laughs> so he did a great job. Everyone's yes. super happy. Now, Eddie is back. Eddie, the guy who was holding everyone hostage. The, ho- the actual, like, hostage, hostage yeah. guy. Yeah. Is back at the station house. And Porkchop heads back to the scene to find out what everyone found once they were in the apartment. God, they removed two pipe bombs that he had. He had pipe bombs. Fully constructed. Oh, my God. And now Porkchop is talking to the bomb squad. Yeah. He's like, we need to get to the bottom of this. Like, what else is there? How did he make them? Like, what are the details here? So Eddie, the bad guy here. Is down at the station. He's written a full confession, and somebody brings it to Pork Chop. Yeah, hands it to Pork Chop. Within five seconds, Pork Chop is like, "This is the Zodiac." Because what he's saying is, "Yes, I shot my sister. Yeah, yes, I was holding her boyfriend hostage." And Pork Chop's like, "Oh my god, I need to sit down." Yeah, he's like, "I can tell by the handwriting, this is him. I know I mean, exactly who, th- who and this is." That's what's so amazing. Like he, like that's how invested these people were. He's like, "I've been reading these this guy's for like years. letters for years." He like, and it's random. It's just random that Eddie was like, it could have been any other hostage negotiator. Could have been. Any any other cop dealing right. with this who, who might not have been on the task force, they never would have known. He calls Grumpy Santa, Duck Dynasty guy, yeah. and he's like, get over here. I found the Zodiac. I found him. His name is Eddie Seda, 
and he denies it up and down. And this, for some reason, yeah. this episode just really, we hightail it to the end here. We, are, we zip I'm watching, everything. I'm the ticker counting down. We have less than four minutes left right. of the episode. So it's Eddie, his name is Eddie Seda. He denies it up and down. Yeah. I don't know, no, no, I'm not the New York Zodiac until they show him the photos of Patricia Fonte. So remember, she was the one that was so brutally murdered. She was stabbed so many times that they missed the bullet. The cops yeah. didn't even see that she had been shot. That was the gruesome scene we had, Fonte's. And we put him on the wall. Now he's looking, it's right in front of him, and his eyes going back and forth. And we're talking to him, you know, look what you did. Then I see the vein in his neck, and boom, pounding. And that's when this guy cracks. And he confesses to them all in order. In order. And then I'm like, and that's kind of it. Like, we got the guy, which is a little, there was something about it that was like, but did we? Like, I know. Are we sure it's him? Because we don't have a lot of details about this. But I mean, like, if if he did the, the victims in order, like, yes, it's definitely him. Right, because who's home, like, memorizing all of that in uh-huh. case you get caught? Yeah. To then take credit for these things you didn't do. Like, that's a lot of information. No. And, like, the yeah, the fact that he shot his sister, but she lived. And he like, didn't know that Porkchop is connected to the New York Zodiac case. Exactly. Like, how would he be able to plan that? And he's, like, a young guy. They don't give us his age, but you look at him, like, he, like, they, they were saying, like, you imagined him to be, like, a, a monster. Yeah. Like, some, and he wasn't. He, was, he looked like a young guy. And this is where they tell us we never, they never found out how he got the Zodiac signs of his victims. Right. I'm dying to know. I know. And so Duck Dynasty Louie, Grumpy Santa, yeah. gets the original Zodiac symbol tattooed on his wrist. And he's like, I know this guy was a copycat with totally different motives. Yeah. But I need the Zodiac Killer symbol on my body or, <laughs> or I am going to snap. <laughs> Get it on me now. Now. Get it on me. Now. Now. Yesterday. And he's like, you know, because it's, uh, it's part of my life. And it's like, you know, like, this is my cross, my burden to bear. Oh, my God. Like, t- to quote Mad Men, stop being such a martyr. You're having the time of your life. Uh- <laughs> You're loving every second of this. Who's like, I need the original Zodiac symbol on me I now. Now. Who's tattooing that shit? But just There's so no like, space next to Charles Manson's face on my back. Or like the clown, like, like John Gacy? Wayne Gacy. Oh my fuck, god. Man. But we learn on June 24th, 1998, the killer is convicted of three counts of murder and six attempted murders, sentenced to 232 years in prison. Yeah. And he's still alive. And he's still alive. Never heard of this case. <sighs> Wild. 90s was a crazy time in New York. I, oh baby. god, I bet. Girl, we did it. We did the New York Zodiac Killer from from Catching Killers. What I this is one of those series that I've always like meant to watch but never did. We're it's gonna really be good. picking and choosing. We're gonna be doing more of these for sure. Yeah, fam. Before I forget, I'm hitting the road again with my traveling book party in March, and here's where I'm coming. Just as a quick reminder, I'll be in Red Bank, New Jersey, on Friday, March 8th; Louisville, Kentucky, on Sunday, March 10th; Cincinnati, Ohio, on Tuesday, March 12th; Columbus, Ohio, on Wednesday, March 13th; and Buffalo, New York, on Thursday, March 14th. You can get all the information and tickets at my website patrickfails.com fam get in the facebook group if you're new to tco welcome i promise you as soon as this comes out i'm going to put up all the norbert leo butts and sherry oh, i was gonna say scott clips in the, the group aida youtube and heather heady like come on i know and, and joanna gleason fans we'll get some joanna gleason oh, in yeah, there yeah. as well oh i went God. to college with her son i got to know him pretty well actually oh, cool. yeah that's great also join us on the patreon over 350 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second the second we've probably already announced the dates for drag bingo and yes. for the mixology class we're filming the mixology class in my kitchen oh my and God. natalie and i are like spending time figuring out how to film it. We're doing it live on Patreon. So anybody on Patreon can watch. You, we're going to save it, of course. So you right. can watch so it if later. You miss it, if you don't watch it live, you'll be able to yep. catch it at a later Drag Bingo is going to be a thing we're going to do every month, maybe more than once a month. Okay. Uh, Schwa is amazing. We had our yes. meeting with them last week. Just oh, absolutely amazing. I love Bingo. Patreon.com slash True Crime Obsessed. Right. What are we doing next? So this is a very, very highly requested series. Ooh. It's called The Florida Man Murders. Oh. We're doing episode one. There are only a handful of episodes. So the first one is called The Muscle head murders, which is really the murders of Frank Griga and Christina Furton. Okay. But it all takes place in Florida and it is wild. Oh, fam, stay tuned for the trailer for that and our funny and hilarious outtakes, which I'm assuming is going to include a lot of our personal stories about Norbert Leo Butts. Yes. <laughs> and pork chop. And pork chop. And uh, we love you. We love you. Alright, bye. We'll see you later. Bye. Florida in general is kind of unique. We get the weirdest of the weird. This case It had it all. It was a notorious crime spree fueled by sex, drugs, and Miami's fast lane. It was a wild, wild tale that had a cast of real shady characters. And the glitz and glamour of Miami. A Lamborghini is mysteriously abandoned in the Everglades. We knew something terrible had happened to Frank and Christina. 
This was one of the biggest cases. The FBI, the U.S. Marshals. These meatheads dressed as ninjas. They called themselves Batman and Robin. They proceeded to torture him. He was treated worse than any prisoner of war. They used a butane lighter to burn his body. They returned the chainsaw that they just used. It was almost comical. It was one stupid attempt after another. They were a dumb group of criminals who almost got away with one of the most vicious, disturbing crimes that I have ever seen. It was evil. Yeah, he, like, on one arm, he's got all of the names of his dead friends buckets, tattooed. Buckets, he's dead. <laughs> I know. He's dead. <laughs> I'm not making fun of buckets. No. But this is literally what he says. Do you know how many people on the road I have to break it to that Daisy Speedy Hamster is no longer with us? Oh, no. People are like, how's Daisy Speedy? I'm like, oh, you oh, must be a new listener. <laughs> Poor little thing. Yeah. Poor thing. She's dead. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway. And he calls it a job. I'm like, oh, my God. This isn't like, you're not working. You're not You're not a dumb podcaster. Like, this is a thing that actually matters. Right, but it's still a job. I know. He's still going to work. He's like a freelance hostage negotiator. YouTube him right now. YouTube his song from Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Because there's a rehearsal footage of it. And it's like him tap dancing for his He's life. So it is so good. He's also really good screaming at Megan Hilty when she's drunk yes, and smashed. Yes, yes, she's yes. Like, Get the, out of here. He's like the star yep. of the show that she was in in oh the show God. while she's like fighting yes. to be in Bombshell. Yes. And she is like taking a bunch of pills. It's a whole thing. I know. But he gets really mad at her and yells at her on stage in song. It's oh, great. my God. This is our gayest episode yet. Okay. Well, we say that all the time. <laughs> I know. 